Thank you for listening to this episode of Lunch Pail Guys. Episodes are released weekly, and you can always check the description for timestamps of topics that you might want to follow. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please leave a five-star review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore, and subscribe to be notified of new episodes in the future. As always, let's go over some news that we missed that we won't be covering in depth in the episode. First of all, in the soccer world, the USA clinched a spot in the World Cup. Woot woot. Uh, There are now only three remaining open spots in the World Cup, so 29 of the 32 teams are locked in, and the groups have been drawn already. Exciting times. Yeah. Uh, U.S. is in a group with England (laughs) and Iran so far. So we have pretty... Pretty fun one. And, and, then, and the potentially winner. Ukraine, right? And potentially yeah. Ukraine. Wales. Yeah. That's one option. Wales or Scotland. Not as sympathetic, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> geopolitical uh group. <laughs> In the NFL world, uh some kind of to me at least shocking news, Bruce Arians retired and Todd Bowles was named as his successor and he got a new contract to boot. Does anybody have any thoughts about this? Um, I mean, it's it doesn't it's not really rocket science. I think at this point to say Tom Brady kind of forced Bruce out at this point, but everybody's wow. saying that. Everybody's saying that is aren't they not? I kind of obvious, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's obvious. It's interesting Can that you, you would push out a coach that you won a Super Bowl with like two years. Yeah, ago. yeah, but he he what, didn't what? like. I think he didn't like Bruce Arians like Luxy Goosey style. Apparently, and he wanted more structure. He also I'll wanted he also wanted him. to be able to take over. He also wanted to be able to like set the structure, I think, and take over the the offense, and be like, "You do your own thing, Todd Bowles. You do the defense. I'm taking over uh, the offense." Should just made himself head coach. That <laughs> but no, yeah, Todd Bowles. I think I don't know. You know, whatever the circumstances are around it, I think Bruce Arians said something when he was leaving. Like he wanted to like set Todd Bowles up <clears throat> with like a good team and a chance for success because like his one head coaching experience <laughs> so far with the Jets was not exactly an environment conducive to success. Um, and I think like <laughs> Todd Bowles is a much, <laughs> Todd Bowles is a much better coach than that run indicated. So I'm excited to see him like what he can do with a, a good team around him as a coach. For sure. Um, okay. Jumping over to the college basketball world. South Carolina won the women's championship. So in, in what is not much of a shocker, the odds on favorite to win ended up winning. Good for them. Uh, in the men's world, North Carolina and Kansas are going to be playing basically as we record this. By the time you hear this episode, we'll know who the champion is. Uh, and it's, you know, all of us called it. You know, none, nobody on this podcast called Kansas an o- the most overrated one-seater, anything ridiculous. <laughs> 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 Does anybody have any team. predictions here? Oh, sorry. I think UNC is gonna win. I think UNC has been on a run recently of just like a team of destiny. Like a, a team of, of destiny. Okay, so they just got called a team of destiny, which means they're losing tonight. <laughs> I'm going Kansas. <laughs> yeah, that should be a good game, though, at the very least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, I just saw this, and this is like one of the wilder headlines, in my opinion, recently. LSU has lost their entire <laughs> basketball men's roster after after Will Wade got fired like a month ago or so. Like every single player is either going into the transfer portal or into the draft. Wow. <laughs> so their new coach is building from scratch. It's wild. Tryouts. 
Yeah, walk on. <laughs> transfer to LC, walk on. It's, there you it's go. that easy. Um, okay, and then lastly, speaking of LSU, uh, their alumnus Ben Simmons recently filed a grievance seeking $20 million from the Sixers. I don't know. Lucas, I'm sure you have some thoughts on this. Yeah, he's not going to win. I like I I think there's no grounds on which he can win. You know, he violated the terms of his contract. <laughs> he didn't play. He sat out. Yeah. I will be withholding any further statement on the case <laughs> and my own personal Lucas, opinions yeah. on it. Lucas is actually counsel to the Sixers, so he's, yes, yeah. <laughs> they have hired me. They're like a first-year law student, just right up Broad Street, is the expert on this. So and much then, potential, you know. They're, they're exactly. starting the process for their, you know, legal team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's dive in uh, to our actual segments here. You know how much we love our power rankings on this show, so we're gonna have another set here for you. In honor of the Eagles announcing that their Kelly Green jerseys are coming back in 2023, we thought we would do a ranking of the all-time best NFL jerseys. Let's just dive right in. Lucas, your Eagles just made this announcement, so let's start with you at one. Eagles Kelly Green are great jerseys, but they are not number one. Number one jerseys of all time in NFL history are the most iconic NFL jerseys, and they are the Tampa Bay Bucks creamsicle jerseys. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're the definition of an iconic NFL jersey. <laughs> First off, they're just so unique and unlike anything else. I think like color wise that has ever been done in pro sports, that like sort of like faded orange. I think orange can be a jersey color that is bad and overwhelming in a lot of situations. See Clemson, see Syracuse, but I think the muted mm-hmm. color works well. The white helmet perfect contrast and the logo of the little buccaneer with the sword in his teeth is 10 times cooler than anything the bucks have ever done <laughs> since uh, all these jerseys are associated with the bucks being just like god awful during the period i think that they help with the iconicness of the uniforms because they prevail and remain in nfl history despite being on one of the worst teams in nfl history so i think there are few jerseys in the nfl that can so easily be conjured up with a single word. And in this case, you can say the word creamsicle and everybody mm-hmm. knows what you're talking about. So that's why I think the creamsicle box jerseys are the best in NFL history. Yeah. The Bucko Bruce, his name, the mascot mm-hmm. okay. name, is so dashing on that helmet. Oh. Like, <laughs> I, I would <laughs> love for them you know, to go back to that level. Yeah, like plunder my frigate. Do whatever you need to do. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a nice mustache and everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Great, great overall jerseys, great logo. Uh, I, one of my themes in like these, I'm sure I might mention it again with my when I get the sixth pick, but I think we've gotten worse with the logos over time. I think the NFL logos were, look worse than they used to. They're like so hyper stylized now, like, and I think we should go back to what, to what Microsoft Word, Microsoft Word creator Bucko Bruce, <laughs> Bucko Bruce. I need Bucko Bruce back on a helmet. Is plunder my frigate like a thing, or do you just make that up? <laughs> no, I was gonna pick them first, <laughs> that was, and I had that written. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. Some of my big words. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, okay, moving on, Wyatt. Who do you got it to? I'm in a really tough spot because I was hoping Lucas would take <laughs> one of my two, so I didn't have to make a decision. I'm gonna go with the Houston Oilers old mm-hmm. like powder blue jerseys with the oh. red contra- contrast on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also bonus points for the fact that they're not even a team anymore. Uh, nobody <laughs> is rocking the Houston Oilers, so it's an exclusive item that you can get. <clears throat> but like the white, the red and blue stripe on the helmet, 
the logo on the side and then just it's a beautiful blue color for me it was between this one and the la chargers powder blues but for the you know you get the extra bonus points because the oilers don't exist i love the contrast of the red on the numbers and some of the other details so i'm gonna go with the powder blues first it's a great choice i they were in my rank like you know on my big board as well i am i think powder blue often can look bad like I think on UNC, <laughs> you said orange bad. also often could look bad, but then you yeah, picked it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like these, how does expectations? But when it's done Jared, right, it's where does powder blue right. look bad to you? I don't think UNC looks good. I think really? the contrast with the white is like too similar of colors. I think it looks really good, but yeah, I, okay. I, I, it's color theory at this point. Like, is this <laughs> <laughs> a color yeah, theory is, podcast? Is this even <laughs> worth doing without like a graphic designer on the air as well? <laughs> <laughs> Should I call him a friend? But yeah, I yeah, agree. Right. I think yeah, that, or maybe the guy who designed the logo yeah. of, our, of our own podcast. Maybe he That's knows. That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I he picked a good so. jersey here. No, but yeah, I think the red and the darker blue contrast with the powder blue looks really good. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that the Titans have kept a pretty similar color scheme also makes them, they're maybe one of my favorite <laughs> NFL jerseys, like, contemporarily, the Titans ones, because it's like the powder blue and the dark blue, I think, look really good together. Yeah. I also really like the um, logo for the Oilers, just the yes. blue yes. oil. Like the, I don't know, there's something about it. It's just very simple, but it's uh, elegant. Anyway. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> Aiden, who you got at three? Yeah, I'm going with the one that Wyatt already mentioned. Um, we're going to stick with the powder blue theme. But the Chargers have, the Chargers powder blue uniforms are just beautiful. Um, you know, the nice, like, simple yellow lightning bolts on the helmet. I even like the numbers on the helmet. I don't know why I'm a fan of that, but I am. Um, yeah. But yeah, big fan of it. My first NFL jersey was a Ladanian jersey, um, mm. and for oh. some reason, I bought the like the navy blue Charger version instead of the powder blue. Maybe the powder blue was more, but honestly, I have to make <laughs> that decision every day. Um, that I did that, and it's because it still hard. fits. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> Not much has changed. Yeah. I still weigh Wearing 60 pounds, 65 pounds. <laughs> Wearing it as like a crop top. Exactly. <laughs> no, there, there's definitely uh, some like nostalgia on these for me. Like the the thought of LT and Philip Rivers and Antonio yeah. Gates and that like high flying offense adds to like the the, the charm of them yeah. for some reason. What's the stat with? I think the 2010 team has oh. the had the best offense and the best defense in the NFL that and year and missed the playoffs. Because oh, yeah. their special teams was teams the worst awful. that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I watched a whole video on it one time. It's just like fascinating. But yeah, those are great. I agree. I like the numbers on the jerk on the helmets too. And I can't explain why. Yeah, there's some cool. like throwback element of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that was something I did in the old days, but they don't do it now, so I'm like, oh like <laughs> it's another nostalgia thing. Okay, Jared, who you got it for? I feel compelled to preface this with the fact that I almost didn't want to include this on the list because it's so divisive, and I thought that why it might not put it in the graphic. But I, I need to put it here, though, because I genuinely do love these uniforms. It's the Seattle Seahawks yeah. Action Green Color Rush jerseys. <laughs> they were, they're my number one overall oh. pick on, the, on my big board right now. I really like the Seahawks normal uniforms, but I, I actually honestly love these. And it's very divisive among the NFL fan base, the Seattle-specific fan base. But they are, I think, 4-1 or 5-1 while wearing these jerseys. They've only lost once, I know that. And these colors just look great together. And that's really all I have to say. I really, <laughs> I just really like these jerseys. 
very unique. Like no other team wears anything similar to this in terms of the green they use. Um, mm -hmm. I just think it looks great, and apparently it looks great better in person from the comments I read yeah. than uh, <laughs> on TV. So, <laughs> yeah, as as someone with like bad long distance vision, I appreciate those uniforms. Like, it makes it <laughs> makes it easy to tell it's who's who. Uh. <laughs> Why are you mad at that pick? I feel like you would be the, you would be uh, mad at that pick. It's okay. It's not okay. four, but it's okay. Well, you're right. It's one. It was one of my big words. <laughs> no. <so. laughs> uh, okay, so I'm up next. Um, the first three were also my first three, but not in the right order. So I'm going to take my four, number four on my big board here. I'm going with the throwback Pats jerseys, the bright red ones. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Con I think I don't know why NFL teams t have a tendency to just really do red, white, and blue well. <laughs> and this is just another perfect example of that. I mean, they're so simple. They're just the red with the blue and white stripes on the shoulders. But the the helmets are classic here. I'm not going to say that the Patriots should go back to their old logo. That's like literally a Patriot snapping the ball because it's kind of it's like it would be cheesy today, I think. But there's something so endearing and cute about it. And so it's just like a super simple uh, jersey. But that red pops. It's so vibrant. And the red, white and blue all just go together so well. And again, a little bit of nostalgia factor here because it makes me think of like OG Tom Brady when he was still young up and comer. So, yeah, that's the pick at, f or I'm sorry, I, yeah, that's the pick at five. Looping back around to you, Lucas, who you got at six? Um, I think I'm going to go, I'll go with the Kelly Green Eagles ones. I think that they're definitely a top ten one. I, all, a lot of my picks so far, I had the Oilers, I had the Patriots throwback reds, um, I had the Chargers powder blue, and then obviously the one they picked. So I think I'm comfortable picking the Eagles Kelly Green here. I said before, I think that, like, my, my whole thesis with jerseys is that there's been a tendency to go with less dramatic colors these days. I feel like a lot of the colors are more restrained and muted. But when teams go with like really good, vibrant colors, aside from the color rush jerseys, um, which is, I think, the only time they do it now, I think it looks really good. I think you see that with the Patriots red. I think you see that with the creamsicle. Um, and even sort of with the modern Action green. color rush. Action green, yeah. <laughs> On the Eagles, they also went with like a really dramatic, sort of like bold green that I like. On these, I think it's like uh, a shade of green that isn't really used in sports a lot either. You see it with Notre Dame sometimes on their alternates. You see it on the Oakland A's, and that's about it. So I like that it's different. It's unique. Also, my lo my whole logo thesis with that, like, logos are getting worse too. The Eagles, like, the logo of, like, the full flying eagle versus just, like, the static eagle head now, I think is a lot better back in the day as well. Like, all my Eagles gear that I have has the old Eagles logo on it because I like better. Um, and I think it's just like a great iconic jersey. I like the way that like on the helmet, the wings are silver too, mm -hmm. as opposed to anything else. I think that looks like a really nice contrast. So yeah, Eagles Kelly Green jerseys, number six. I think the wings are my favorite element of that. The wings yeah. on the helmet. Yeah. Um, okay, Wyatt at seven. Who you got? Uh, I really, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos, their orange crush uniforms, mm -hmm. and they get bonus points for me as well this time because they are rocking the blue helmet, which I think matches really well with the blue t details on the pants. Um, it's not exactly a unique orange like the, the creamsicle ones, but I think that the helmet with the white and then the stripe on the pants is really nice. Also the old socks that they used to wear where they had stripes, uh, <laughs> at the very top of the socks as they meet the pants. I think that that's a nice touch for those two. I'd like to see this come back as a, a color rush type uniform, an alternative uniform for the Broncos this year, especially now that I think they can do two helmet colors, I want to say, uh, or at least that might be down the road. 
But for me, on this one, it was either between this one or the Bengals color rush jerseys, who had a really nice, uh, subtle details of the stripes all over the legs. They didn't do any orange, which I thought was very nice, but uh, I think you get bonus points for the old vintage helmet here if uh, I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos. Good choice. I have that on my big board as well. My big board looks very different right now than these rankings. It's pretty funny. But no Dolphins this, yet, surprisingly. Yeah. Is Aiden, Aiden going to fix that here? He's lobbying. <laughs> no. Um, they're actually the one behind uh, my the pick I'm going to go with. And you already mentioned the Team Wyatt, but the Bengals, I, I'm taking their black-on-black uniforms with the like orange that really like tops. Um, and I think the the Bengals, like the you know tiger stripes or whatnot, are one of the more interesting like actual uniform kind of elements on anyone's uh, jerseys or pants or whatnot. Like I love a lot of helmets. Um, I love a lot of like jersey colors. Um, but I think the Bengals have a very unique kind of element with that the actual like tiger stripes on it. Um, it's very slick looking. I think that I'm happy that the Bengals finally have a team that matches like the coolness of their jerseys. <laughs> so. It's yeah, about time. I totally agree. I've always been a huge fan of the Bengals jersey, so I'm glad somebody picked one of those yeah. as well. I think the black on blacks are really nice too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm ninth here. I feel like I knew this was going to happen that my top two picks would not make it onto or that most of my picks would not make it onto the big board because I like a lot of the current NFL jerseys. And in my opinion, the best jerseys currently are the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they, they shouldn't be ninth right now. Sorry, Steph, the if you're listening. Ones? Just like, yeah, just the black top yellow pants that they normally wear. And with the helmet, I think looks fantastic. Um, I know a lot of the Steelers forums, they really love their color rush jersey, which is all black. But I think the black with yellow pants looks better for me. And I think they have the best current jerseys in the NFL, personally. Just it has a very classic look, and black and yellow looks really good together. But I knew it's kind of understated so that nobody would pick it. So, But I, ha- I feel like they need to be included on this list. Hmm. Which means a couple of my other, other teams that I also really like are not going to make the list. So Jared, I want to hear your list when we're done with the whole thing. Honorable yeah, mentions. yeah I, I, was, I was definitely planning on asking for honorable mentions. Um, okay, well, I'm, I'm actually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my list on the fly because I'm – I want to say the Dolphins. We mentioned the Dolphins, but I'm going to push them down, actually, because there's, a, there's a, a jersey that really holds a special place in my heart that I'm going to say instead, and that's the, the Panthers throwback bright blue jerseys. It is, in my opinion, like the most delicious color combo of, of throwback jerseys out there. Uh, I remember loving the Panthers when I was younger, specifically because their colors were so cool, <laughs> and that was it. And this is another like nostalgia factor for me. When I see these, I instantly think Steve Smith. Jake Delhomme, Moose and Muhammad, that team that made the play of the Super Bowl against the Pats, that era of Panthers ball. Ugh, they're timeless. I know some people might think that their bright blue is like a little bit too much, a little bit painful in the eyes, but I think that blue, silver, black combo is just chef's kiss. So I'm going to take them at 10. But yeah, shout out to the Dolphins. I thought about you here as well. Um, okay, well, with that, honorable mentions. <laughs> There's a lot of modern ones I think that are really good right now. I really, Jared, I was, I was a fan. So one was the Seahawks action green, two is the Steelers, normal jerseys, three the Saints. I was a fan of the Saints. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. my first team because yeah. of their colors. Uh, my, Reggie Bush was my first jersey actually. Uh, I had the Chargers at four, Dolphins at five. 
I really like their white jerseys actually. Just they're all they're all white ones, like, like white and white tops and white pants. Uh, Dallas Cowboys blue tops. I really liked. Um, I had the Bucks cream sickle jersey. The 49ers, I think have a like a peanut butter and jelly. Like it just looks good. Their go, color go well is together. Very nice. You like them? Okay. Mm. I think the Packers oh. are ninth. They have a good look. And then I had the Bengals at ten, which uh, Aiden picked. So. I always feel kind of down on the 49ers jerseys, and I can't describe why. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They're just kind of forgettable, in my opinion. I yeah. They're like peanut butter and jelly. Like, it's the same colors as peanut butter and jelly, too. They just go well together. <laughs> yeah. I like them. I think I'm a sucker for anything that includes gold. And also, I think yeah. there is the element of, like, good teams who I associate, you know, their, their uniforms with their past success. I'm more likely to rank high, which Definitely. I feel like is why... Like, I hate the Packers colors, but I keep thinking of their uniforms and being like oh you know maybe i'd include them and i feel like the 49ers are, are kind of that way i want i want to shout out two quick jerseys both of which are blue on blue the, the modern bills alternates the blue on blues delicious and a lot i know a lot of the color rush jerseys were awful but the chargers dark blue on dark blue jerseys are also elite i like those opinion. yeah they are like obviously slow. not as good as the powder blue ones but they are yeah. One of the few good color rush jerseys that came out of that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I've always just been a huge fan of the Chargers jerseys, like in general. Well, like Bart, you mentioned the color rush ones right there. Like, I just think every single jersey they do yeah. pretty much hits. And I like the Rams classic. Speaking of LA teams, I like the Rams classic ones too, like the like the darker blue with the big horns on the shoulders that are like the bright yellow too, which is mirrored on the helmet. I think yeah. those are nice. Much better than the current Rams jerseys. Jared, I'm surprised you didn't throw the current day Rams jer- jerseys on there just to spite. <laughs> yeah, you. I know you wanted to like that. People love those though. Those are high on a lot of lists. No, they're hideous. <laughs> the, the modern ones or the throwbacks? Yeah, I guess the throwbacks. But the modern ones, I don't think look bad. Like the, maybe the, the ones logo does. That but. they wore this year are hideous. <laughs> <laughs> With the gradient, like the gradient on the numbers, yeah, oh you don't like God. that. The gradient. So I think that bad. looks fine. No. I don't know. I'm not an expert in color theory, though. So the <laughs> current modern day Charger navy blue ones are super dope. Yeah, but the, char- also, the Chargers they- just have like an elite color scheme. Oh yeah, so yeah, they do. Yeah. do. Sorry, they'll go for it too. This is not anywhere close to my top ten ever, but I think people give a lot of a- a hate to the current Jets jerseys, and I kind of like them. Yeah, I think like I think the forest green or whatever it is is like a nice color. You know, no, I agree. Yeah, I really well, yeah, like you're an Eagles fan. It's different. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> just the association. <laughs> the New York Giants red jerseys from a while back. Awesome. Dude, an- another yeah, example of good red, white, and blue. It's yeah. everywhere. We just love America. Yeah. Like <laughs> we'll rebrand as the Patriotic Sports Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Any team that doesn't have a patriotic jersey is not getting, uh, not getting me as a fan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I totally agree. <laughs> All right. I think that uh, that wraps up our NFL talk. Let's shift gears over to the NBA, which is what we will be talking about for the remainder of the episode. First of all, let's look at the trade deadline. In hindsight, it's been two months since the trade line trade deadline happened. So now we can look back at some of the deals and, and see whether we thought they were any particularly good or bad ones. So, Aiden, let's start with you. You want to talk to us about the Derek White deal? I do. I, I really <laughs> want to talk to everybody about this. Um, <laughs> no, White was traded from the Spurs to the Celtics at the deadline. 
I was not initially convinced by this. They gave up a first rounder this year. They're granted likely a, a late first rounder given the Celtics position um, and a pick swap. He hasn't been amazing on all fronts to, to start with. He's not really known as a shooter, but he's especially struggled as a shooter this year. He's barely shooting above 40% from the field, 30% from three. And in his first couple games with the Celtics, he was especially cold. But th- things are looking slightly up on the shooting front. He's shooting 43% from three over the past five games. So maybe he's finding his stroke heading into the playoffs. But that said, he wasn't brought in to shoot. He's known for his defense, and he's known for distributing the ball. And on the defense front, the Celtics allow 6.6 points fewer per 100 possessions with White on the floor. Mission accomplished there. You can also check the distribute the ball box. Lineups with White and Tatum have outscored opponents by 15.2 points per 100 possessions, which is 98th percentile league-wide. Him and Brown, 11.1 points. Uh, they outscore opponents by per, per 100 possessions, which is 96th percentile league-wide. It was a super small sample size for the Marcus Smart, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and healthy Robert Williams uh, lineup, but they outscore opponents by 33 points per 100 <laughs> possessions. Just absolutely That's absurd. Insane. And not that Derek White is the star of that, but I think he's a really good fit in that he doesn't need to be the, like, he doesn't need to be the star. You've got a bunch of other scorers. He's got to play great defense um, and get the ball to the scorers. The Celtics are 17-5 and five with him. They did start getting hot before the trade, but still, I think it has ended up being a better trade than I expected, and he seems like a really good fit with the team. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I had to look up what this deal was. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little I obscure, I didn't remember yeah. this. Called <laughs> uh, obscure when Derek White is finals MVP in a couple months. Okay, okay. Fair, enough, uh, fair enough. For his defense, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm up next. I wanted to recap the the Kristaps Spencer Dinwiddie deal. I, I say that even though they did also trade Davis Bertans, but he's a non-factor. Let's be honest. So I'm just gonna not even mention him again. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my I, goodness! I, no, I mean he literally I, like he was averaging like four points before the trade, and it's like three now, or vice versa. Something. Like that. It's, oh. like, it's anyways. Um, I think when when this deal happened, people. It seemed like people were giving pretty negative grades to the Mavs, actually, because they were like, wow, there's no way Dinwiddie and, and Bertans, or however you say it, are going to offset what Kristaps brought them. But it's actually like one of those deals in hindsight that looks like it was a win-win for both teams because both of their numbers basically have improved. I think Aiden has mentioned Dinwiddie and how good he's been with the Mavs. But basically, his he's scoring better by four points a game. He's shooting better by 11% a game, which is nuts. Like, if a player did that from one season to the next, everybody would be like, how is this possible? <laughs> I guess you could call it the Luka Doncic effect. And it's basically all with the same minutes. And also, StatMuse gave me this stat. He, or like a week ago, he had the third highest point differential in the clutch and was 9 of 17 from three in the clutch. So he's just like going off with the Mavs for some reason. And then since they traded for him, the Mavs are 15 and 6. So they're looking really solid. He's helped them clearly. On the other side, Przingis is also shooting better, scoring more, rebounding more, and assisting more on the Wizards and in fewer minutes. So, like, obviously the Wizards are limited from the playoffs now, so he wasn't able to lift them to the playoffs or anything like that, but I don't think we could have expected him to. Um, but it's clearly, like, I think it was a win-win for both teams. Kristaps and, and Luka weren't getting along. Dinwiddie's been better for them. Kristaps is helping the Wizards. Maybe they'll be able to convince Bradley Beal to stay or whatever. But, yeah, it seems like the people's grades that were critical of it are uh, were a little bit unfair. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think Dinwiddie has hit multiple game winners since joining <laughs> the Mavs. I'm pretty sure I saw that somewhere. So <laughs> that, yeah. it's kind of crazy. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Mm. Something about Dallas, big market. But... <laughs> <laughs> he got to Dallas. He's That's like, a I gotta deep show cut. out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, why? Who you got? I believe the trade deadline episode was the episode that I missed, so I didn't get to comment on any of these at the time that they were made. Uh, the Tyrese Halliburton trade to the Pacers was something that I thought was a head scratcher at the time as well, especially because the Kings build their teams very interestingly. They just kind of draft whoever they feel like. They don't really care about fit, and then they see what happens. <laughs> and Tyrese Halliburton was a guy who looked like he had a promising future, and they traded him away to the Pacers for a win-now move and DeMontis Sabonis. Very interesting, very head-scratcher. Uh, I thought that they should have went and they should have traded away Darian Fox at the deadline. I thought maybe at the time they could have gotten a decent deal from the Sixers, possibly, if, before they had traded for James Harden. Maybe maybe the Lakers, if they had an interesting enough trade package. They could have done something with Darian Fox and actually started to move towards a rebuild and had a guy on a rookie contract like Halliburton be the centerpiece of their rebuild. Instead, the Pacers get the option of doing that. Uh, Halliburton hasn't exactly skyrocketed since he left the Kings. He went from 14 points per game to 15 points per game, but he most recently had a 30-point performance against Boston about on the 1st of April on Friday. So um, even after the trade, like the, the Kings are in 12th place now in, in the West, and they are not anywhere closer to getting into the playoffs than they were last year, and they have a handful of guys who don't exactly fit together for a win-now move for a team that is dead in the water. <laughs> Can't disagree. <laughs> Halliburton also just had a, a, one, like a it was a really rare uh, 17 assist, zero turnover game. I don't remember how, like when the last time that had happened, but it was a while. So it's pretty crazy. Um, okay, Lucas, <laughs> your, your hometown Sixers dealt Ben Simmons. What's the hindsight recap here? <laughs> I think this turned out to be a pretty mid deal for both teams. It's kind of underwhelmed expectations a little bit. Um, so looking at it from both teams' perspectives, um, with the Nets, I mean, I think the main reason this is a pretty underwhelming deal for the Nets is that Simmons hasn't played. Steve Nash announced today that he will not play for the rest of the season, and at least through the playing games. It would not stun me if that extended into the main playoffs if the Nets make it as well. And so if the centerpiece of the deal hasn't played at all, I feel like that automatically sort of like knocks down the trade a little bit. What saves it, I think, from being a total catastrophe um, is that the other pieces they got have actually turned out to be pretty good for them. Uh, Seth Curry has been pretty playing really well. He's, you know, in the starting lineup. Since coming to the Nets, he's averaging 15 points per game. He's shooting 47% from three. Um, and is that a, a nice scoring presence for them? Um, Drummond, I think, has been decent at center for them. He's been um, the sort of rim protector they needed. He's averaging a double-double. So I think they got a couple nice pieces out of the deal. Um, and the only thing that drags it down, I think, is the fact um, that, you know, Simmons hasn't played at all, and there's no real timeline on when he'll ever play again. Um for the Sixers, I don't think the Sixers haven't really been that dramatically better since Harding came over either. Um, Shocker. You know, no, I'm just kidding. I know. Wow. They haven't been worse, but it's just like they're a different level of like contenders, but probably not good enough to win a championship. 
Harden shooting's been really hot and cold since he's come over, and that's hurt him a lot. His distribution, though, and his passing has been fantastic since he's come to the Sixers. Like, he's averaging almost 10 assists per game. He's really finding open guys to really help Maxi's game improve. I saw a tweet the other day that said something like, if James Harden could take the next few years and transition into, like, a Chris Paul role, I think that's probably the best thing for his career. And I don't necessarily disagree either. I think that, like, the fact that Embiid's on the team and he can be the number one scorer, like, if Harden just focuses on being, like, the distributor and the point guard, I feel like that would help out a lot. But there's been some issues with his three-point shooting, too, especially, apparently, there was this whole saga a few days ago that Harden <laughs> can't shoot, ca- like, can't shoot catch-and-shoot threes. Like, he needs to take dribbles. Um, and, <laughs> like, this is a whole thing that I had no idea about in James Harden's entire career, but apparently it's true. And teams are playing, like, Ben Simmons-level defense when he gets in catch-and-shoot positions. So, like, they'll give him, like... There was a still image of him catching it, like, at the top of the arc, and the closest defender was in the paint. Like, they're just, like, not closing down on him at all when he has, like, catch-and-shoot opportunities. So that's been an issue. Um, But Harden's been good so far. Like, he just hasn't been great. Um, And I think the thing that has made it, like, kind of a mid-to-underwhelming deal for the Sixers, um, because I still think, like, Harden has made them equally or a little bit better, and there's the potential for them to be better than they were before. But the thing that I think makes it a little bit worse is that their bench is awful now. Like they have no depth whatsoever. Their backup center uh, is DeAndre Jordan, and he's awful. Like he <laughs> played, I think, like twelve minutes last night or something. It was like minus eleven or something in those like twelve minutes. And like he consistently is the only player on his team and wins that has like a negative net rating. He's so bad. He's so old. He's so slow. Doc Rivers refuses to play like younger options too. Um, in the position, and I think just like, yeah, their bench has been bad. They lost their two best role players in the trade, so I think that's hurt them a lot. Um, so even though they got Harden, who's definitely an upgrade at point guard, and that's helped despite his struggles, I think the losing of the depth has made it not as great a deal as it seemed in the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll finish this segment off then with um, the Karis Levert trade to the Cavaliers, which I think maybe is not bad, but definitely underwhelming and did not provide the spark that the Cavs were looking for. When they made that trade, they were they were one game behind the Heat for the top spot in the Eastern Conference standings, which was the night of February sixth, morning of the seventh. Since then, they're ten. They have a losing record. They're ten and fifteen. They're currently slated for the play-in at the seventh seed, at least when I checked last night, unless something changed this morning, slash afternoon. Um, his stats have also taken a hit, too, Levert's. Obviously, obviously, he is taking less shots, so his points per game are going to go down. They dropped, like, five points per game. But his field goal percentage is down. His free throw percentage is down. He's just overall less efficient, too. And in this trade, the Cavaliers gave up Ricky Rubio, which that's whatever, but three draft picks in next year's draft. And I know you don't hit on the second rounders that often, but two second rounders, a lottery protected first rounder, and yeah, I don't think it did not provide the spark that they were looking for. This was a win now, like make a charge move for the Cavs, and it definitely did not pay off. So it's underwhelming at the very at the very least. It's underwhelming. All right, well, let's move on now and, and spend some more time talking about the Nets. In uh, what's a very confusing thing to me, at least, despite the fact that they're currently the 10th seed, tied for the 10th seed, <laughs> I think, 
Uh, a lot of sportsbooks have them as the favorite to come out of the East. Uh, Kyrie has, admittedly, already he's been cleared to finally play in home games, so maybe that'll help. But, uh, yeah, Wyatt, let's throw it to you. How much does Kyrie's return actually matter, and do you think that the Nets are actual contenders? No. And the, it, this is disrespectful to the Bucks. This is disrespectful to the Celtics to the 76ers, and to the game of basketball. <laughs> to have the Nets as a plus 500 odd uh, with the way that they've handled themselves this entire season. Everything that you have the, to build a championship team, everything that you're supposed to do, throw it out the window. Top head coach? Nope. They just, everybody shares that role. And Steve Nash's <laughs> only, only move is to play Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving 48 minutes. What about incredible chemistry? Nope. They just destroyed the culture that Brooklyn had, and they refused to step on the court together over the last, uh, what was it, three years so far? What about uh, just a great team defense? Nope. They have one of the worst-ranked defenses in NBA history. They spit in the face the game of basketball, and apparently they're still the going uh, favorites for it. Steve Nash has no idea what he's doing when it comes to adjustments. He just tells Kevin Durant, hey, Go play some basketball. <laughs> and Kyrie, Kyrie Irving can play defense when, whenever he wants to. I say with air quotes. But they've, they have completely thrown the regular season out the window because they're a championship team that can win seven-game series. When in reality, they may not even make it out of the play-in tournament. <laughs> yep. That I don't know. Fun. I think we're selling the Nets a little short. Oh, okay. What? Maybe it's just because I've only watched them play the Sixers this year, and they <laughs> eviscerated the Sixers every time, or at least the most recent time they played them. But I don't think you can count out like their upside and their potential. Like last year, they took the Bucks to seven games, probably should have won that series, and Katie was the only of the superstars who was playing at that time too. And they add back Kyrie this year. Yes, they've struggled throughout the regular season, but I don't think it's necessarily indicative of how good they are as a team because Kyrie's only played in half the games. Harden sat out a bunch before he was traded to the Sixers. The guy they got uh, for Harden Simmons has sat out. KD was injured for two months. They were a shell of themselves for like most of the season. And the fact that they're still in the position to make the playoffs, I think, says something about the team. And when they've had KD playing well, they've looked really good they like went on a really big like they've, they've regressed a little bit the last week or two but they went on like a really good run where they were like had the best record in the east over the past 10 games at one point and i just think that like when katie is good katie is the best player in the nba and if you have the best player in the nba on your team you have a shot at a title so do i think they're the favorites no i think that's ridiculous but i think that like they can be true contenders in, uh, there is a scenario, there is a world out there where the Nets can be true contenders for the title this year. It's, are we in that world, though? Are we on that world? I'm not <laughs> sure we are. I think it says we more about be. the NBA's terrible playoff format that the 10th the tenth ranked, uh, the team with the 10th best record in their conference is able to make up, uh, is able to have a run at the playoffs. I think it says more about the NBA's terrible playoff format than it does about the Nets, necessarily. Yeah, if I'm ever like we've seen, we've here, seen. Telling him to... oh, no, I interrupted you. The middle of my no, sentence interrupted, or the <laughs> start of my sentence interrupted the middle. Of yours. <laughs> All I was gonna say is, if I'm ever in Adam Silver's ear, the first thing I'm doing is telling him to cancel the uh, the play-in tournament because it's the worst. I hate it. It is. 
Yeah. I mean, look at the Clippers this year yeah. too. Look at the Clippers this year too. You can't be a team that just turns it on in the playoffs. It doesn't work. We've seen it mm-hmm. now every season. It does not work. Yeah. And everyone the Lakers are like the worst like team in can. basketball yeah. over the past like <laughs> the 15 games and they're only like two games out of making the playoffs at this point. Yeah. Like that's God means something, you know? Absolutely. But, but everyone wants to act like you can. I don't think that there is a single way that we could sell the net short at all, Lucas, because they they have done everything to themselves. They hired Steve Nash instead of going for uh, instead of keeping Kenny Atkinson or going for a top level guy. Kyrie Irving decided that he's Muhammad Ali or Malcolm X to himself, and he wants to sit out through the entire season. His politics and his personal whatever always take more precedent. Pres- precedence over him actually stepping on a basketball court at any given moment Kyrie Irving could be gone he could decide that he just wants to go and be somewhere else there is no scenario where they trade for an injured uh disgruntled emotionally soft star in Ben Simmons they acquire Muhammad Ali 2.0 Malcolm X 2.0 and they signed Kevin Durant while he he was uh, rehabbing from an Achilles injury of course they're going to be off the court from each other of course they're going to be injured of course they're going to be unavailable those are the guys that they got and those are the guys that they have right now there is no way that I can sell the net short because they are exactly who we know that they are I mean, they didn't injure Katie's knee by himself, you know. They played the Bucks real close last week. And he still have a good starting five, even if Kyrie doesn't play. Like, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, who I referenced earlier, have both been like, pretty good since coming over. Like, they're not going to dominate or anything like that. You know, Nick Claxton, not a bad player. Um, but, I don't know. I feel like a starting lineup of Katie, Kyrie, Bruce Brown, Drummond, and Curry could be... A team that competes for a title on its best day. Can, can I just cite one statistic here? There's, I'd love to. There's, no, the it. thing that I, I, I've always <laughs> said about the Nets is that their defense is sus. When Kyrie's on the floor, they would have the best offensive rating ever. When Kyrie's on the floor, they would have the worst defensive rating ever. <laughs> I rest my case. They are not well-rounded enough to beat good, the good teams in seven-game series. It's just not there. They are electric offensively, but they are just... That and they have no depth. I know you talked about their depth earlier, Lucas. I don't think it's... KD and Kyrie playing 40 minutes a game will get you some wins because they'll combine for 80 or 90 or what have you. (laughs) But it's not sustainable. Mm -mm. Their plan is to score 150 and you score 149. (laughs) (laughs) They got to luck out and get a great draw in the playoffs where they play the Sixers in the first round who also haven't been great defensively. And then, like, the Bucks and the Heat. But, like, it's going to take some things happening. But, like, I can see a scenario still in which they go on a run and can just, like, outgun whoever they're playing in the playoffs. Like, if they get, I don't know, Sixers first round and then, like, Bulls second round and then, you know, just hope what happens happens in the conference championship. That's a scenario, I think, where they can make at least the Eastern Conference Championship game. I don't know, man. They just had that – they had a must-win, effectively, against the Hawks where they were tied in the play-in spots and they lost. They couldn't even beat the Hawks. So, I don't know, man. I, I'm telling you, when they played the Sixers like three weeks ago, I've never seen a team play better basketball. Than that. <laughs> they were dominant. 
Yeah, Ben yeah. Simmons isn't going to be playing until it's like the Sixers announces the opponent, <laughs> and then <laughs> then he'll be on the floor and look better than he ever has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's kind of been running from the Sixers though. Yeah. <laughs> At least he didn't in their match. The match that they did have. Yeah, but. you'll see them on the court or in court. Yeah, he'll be there to serve them with their. He's gonna come up. He's not gonna play. But he's gonna like serve them with the lawsuit and then like head back to Brooklyn. Okay, well, <laughs> I think that does it for the Nets talk. Let's round out the episode with some MVP talk. The season is almost over, so we have a pretty good idea of where the MVP candidates are gonna stand. Uh, in, in a week or two. So let's, we each just picked one MVP candidate we're going to go through and present the case for why he should win. Uh, and I, I guess I'll start. Jokic, Jokic is probably, I think, still the odds on favorite. So I can present his case, which is pretty compelling, if I may add. If I'm talking for too long, someone needs to cut me off because there are a lot of stats that support Jokic this season. <laughs> okay, let's, let's dive in. I mentioned StatMuse earlier and I wanted to shout them out again because they have a ton of good stats on their Twitter uh, where I got a lot of the stuff from. Okay, so. He's averaging 26, 13, and 8 this season. It would be the first 26, 13, and 6 season ever. And he's two assists over that. So that's nuts. Okay. He's the only player in top 10 in points, rebounds, and assists. He leads the Nuggets. It's like the LeBron thing. He leads the Nuggets in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks the whole season. <laughs> so he's like a one-man wrecking ball, and he's on track to set the record ever for PER in a season. Nuts so. Bear in mind that the Nuggets haven't had Jamal Murray at all this season, and Michael Porter Jr. only played the first nine games, and then he got hurt. And then, like, I don't want to go too much into the advanced stat stuff because there's so much that's in his favor, but, like, he's the best shooter by true shooting percentage. PER, I mentioned. VORP. People even like to call him out for defense, at least historically. And this season, he's arguably the best defender in the league because he's, be he's best in defensive box plus minus, and he's second best in defensive win shares. Jason Tatum's the only one who's better. So basically, like, if you look at just numbers for one individual player, it's got to be Jokic. The obvious knock is that the Nuggets are the fifth seed. Ever since the three-point line was introduced, there's only been one MVP who was below the fourth, and that was Russ when he had his first triple-double season, right? And he was also the points-per-game leader that year. Jokic is doing neither of those things. So if, if voters are going to get caught up on anything, it's the fact that he hasn't, you know, personally pushed the Nuggets into, like, a top-three spot or what have you. But if you're just talking about individually, Jokic has been absolutely absurd this season. Okay, Wyatt, let's go to you, Joel Embiid. The Jokic, Jokic Defensive Player of the Year campaign starts now, Bart, and you're the one in <laughs> charge for it. Uh, uh, Joel Embiid, I, I don't have many stats for him because I have the only criteria that matters, a player's impact on winning. And uh, over the last couple of years, most of the time, the MVP award goes to the best player on the team with the best record. Joel Embiid has won it. Steph Curry has won it. Uh, Russell Westbrook breaks that criteria, but I would argue that his impact on winning in that one season was relatively high. And it's not a large sample size for the 76ers, but they're 5-8 and eight without Embiid. They're 43-22 and 22 with Embiid. And through, for probably about definitely 50% of the season, but let's say about 60-70% of the season, he has played without uh, his second-best player. He didn't have Ben Simmons at all. And then they traded for James Harden, who, you know, is been he he's he's been around, but I mean it's not exactly the most supportive second star that we've had so far. They still win at a sixty percent clip. 
Uh, they are the second seed. They're in play for the second seed at the West. He scores 30 points per game. Uh, for a big man who doesn't exactly have a flashy game, I know it's not a, a guard shooting up threes or anything too creative. When you're a big man and you score 30 points per game, it's it's something worth noting. And he is second in clutch points, uh, clutch point shooting. So his impact on winning is incredibly high for the 76ers. And without him, even with James Harden, is a bottom feeder. <laughs> Good points. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a reason he's been like the one A one B the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, scoring title. Do what? Right, right. Yeah, LeBron has to play two of the last four games or something to even be qualified, and he's hurt right now. So, <laughs> um, anyways, another candidate who's gotten a lot of steam recently is Giannis. Lucas, what is good with Giannis this season? Mm. I think Giannis has been kind of unfairly left out all season, and. I think his candidacy sort of starts with the fact of the team success. Uh, Why well, I alluded to this earlier, Bart alluded to this, the team success plays such a role, uh, fairly or unfairly, in determining who is the MVP. And I think the three main MVP contenders. Well, Jokic is the odds-on favorite, and beat is kind of that 1B. Uh, I think Giannis is sort of like in the conversation now at this point as being, you know, maybe not at their level, but a pretty close contender of the, in that top three. The Bucks. Are tied for the best record with the Sixers. I think they've arguably been better than the Sixers this year, especially uh, recently when they went up against the Sixers and they beat them. And I think that sort of is a consequential moment in people's minds where it's like, okay, you have this head-to-head showdown between the Bucks and the Sixers. Giannis came out on top. But looking at it from a more stats-based perspective, I think he's got a pretty good case too. It's more the basic stats. It's not the advanced stats. The advanced stats will always favor Jokic. I think there's nothing we can do against that. But... He and Embiid are essentially tied in terms of points per game. Embiid is at like 30.18 or something like that, and Giannis is at like 30.12, so it's nearly identical. They've been trading back and forth with LeBron for the scoring title all over the last 10 games or so. Um, his defense has also been really good. Um, if you look just purely at defensive rating and not any of the advanced defensive stats, him and Embiid are tied um, for the best uh, defensive rating of those main contenders for the MVP. Um, of those top three at 107.5. I mentioned before the head-to-head um, with Embiid this past week. Uh, he made a really consequential defensive play, blocking Embiid at the end of the game. He seems to have more like game-changing moments, I think, in the moment than either Embiid or Jokic ever does, even if you know they can sort of stuff the box score. Like I think Giannis is the one I might trust most defensively and offensively to take over the game at the end. And then the thing is, too, is that he, like Jokic, has done this all without a true superstar. I know Wyatt alluded to earlier that and B did it for a lot of the years in the last, you know, 20 games or so. He's had Harden on his team. Uh, I think that's helped take, you know, all the pressure off him. But Giannis, uh, I mean, say what you will about Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, but Giannis is the one superstar on that team. Um, and is the reason why I think, I think they're my favorites to come out of the East again this year. The Bucks have been really good. They dealt with a lot of injuries earlier in the year, too, uh, to Robin Lopez, to Pat Connaughton. Um, and despite that, they're, you know, fighting for the one, two, three seed in the East right now at this point. I think a lot of that is just Giannis's play. So for all those reasons, I'll put Giannis's name in for consideration for MVP. Noted. Before we move on, I want to, <laughs> I want to clear something up real quick because I messed up a stat as I was saying it. Uh, Joel Embiid is second in clutch points and he shoots forty eight percent. That's what that's what I meant to say. Gotcha. 
I, I wanted to add one thing for Giannis because Lucas, you said that advanced stats don't support him, but I saw this when I was looking up the Jokic thing. Jokic <laughs> is on pace to break PER this year, right? Mm-hmm. Giannis is on pace to also break PER this year. If Jokic <laughs> weren't in the too. league, it would be Giannis breaking the record. So they're like right hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw that as well. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mention it because Barca just won up with you with the Jokic stat that Jokic <laughs> would be better. But it is it is something that plays in Giannis's favor, I think, for sure. It's almost it's, as if PER is a terrible stat. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Yeah. And Giannis, Giannis is still scoring 30 points per game. I know you said he wasn't. There are other guys who can stuff the box score, but... I think that that's also more of a case to the fact that Giannis is quietly putting 30 points per game together on a given yeah. night. Uh, okay. Another guy who quietly puts up crazy numbers uh, pretty often, Luka. Aiden, what do you have to say about Luka Doncic? points. Okay, Luka was hurt by the slow start. He was a little bit out of shape, but who isn't? You know, coming <laughs> to the start of the season. You gotta make yeah, things interesting at the end, not the start. Um, but anyway, I think that's why he hasn't been a very prominent, uh, person in these discussions. He's closed super strong, averaging 30 points per game after the all-star break. He's averaging nearly a triple double, 28 a game, 9.1 rebounds, 8.6 assists. Those are MVP numbers. Only Doncic and Jokic, the itches, um, are top 20 (laughs) in the league in points, assists, and rebounds per game. And Luka is more, you know, he can score from anywhere a bit more than Jokic, though I'm not sure I'm going to try to fight the, the Jokic battle. Um, but, and he's a bit flashier, so I hope the MVP committee remembers that, watches the highlights. But the, the Mavs have been hot since the new year. They have the fourth best record in the NBA since then. They're 31-12 and 12 over that span. They sit at fourth in the West behind a bunch of other more complete teams, I would say. The argument for Luka is that he's been that guy on the Mavs and the other top teams in their conference and even the East do not rely as heavily on one guy. The Suns and Warriors, when healthy, have multiple elite players. The Grizz are 20-2 and two this year without Jaw, <laughs> which is hilarious. The Celtics obviously have Tatum and Brown. Giannis has Chris Middleton, even if he's not a superstar, as we've been discussing. Embiid now is Harden. Jokic isn't on a top team in the West, so we're not going to talk about him again <laughs> and avoid the... <laughs> Fighting the Jokic argument. Uh, but, I mean, the Mavs got rid of their other guy mid-season, and the team just got better. So I think Luka deserves a place in these discussions, and even if he doesn't win it this year. It's that MVP. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Dallas. Yeah, you super large market. Just mm-hmm. you wait. Mm-hmm. Just got to get him on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Once they're on TV, it'll be... <laughs> All about the style points with Luca. No one's ever actually seen Luca play. We just hear him on the video. It's just the box score. Yeah, exactly. Right next to the comics in the new yeah, in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry everyone, but Jason Tatum's the MVP of the league though. Sorry about that. Um the number one seat so I think it is going to hinge on them getting the number one seed on the East, which is not impossible. They have three games left and are two games back. And they're going to go through a gauntlet of the Bulls, Bucks, and Grizzlies. So even before that, Jason Tatum has beat all these guys that he's competing against. He's beaten all their teams, especially since the All-Star break. Nuggets, he's wiped the floor with them. Bart and Jokic, he's wiped the floor with them. He be- they beat the Sixers by like 50 points. PR though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Either way, uh, 
And back in January, they were they were eighteen and twenty one and eleventh in the Eastern Conference. Conference now they're sec- the second best team in the East since the All Star break. Aiden Lucas putting up a cute thirty points per game. Jason Tatum putting up thirty one per, per points per game. Fifty percent from the field and forty one percent from three is elite efficiency. And one of the knocks on Tatum was, oh, he's not efficient. What are you gonna say now? Okay. One thing that doesn't get measured here too. Defense. He's first, as Bart said, he is first in the league in defensive win shares. And then this is my last stat. I'm going to rest my case. Since the All Star break, his plus minus 12.3. Embiid, 6. Jokic, 2.5. Lucas is negative. They're worse on the court when Lucas on the, when Lucas on the court. So it all just comes down to it's not that, it's not that hard. Did your, is your team better when you are on the court? Jason Tatum obviously is. The Celtics are much better when Jason Tatum is on the court, and they now have a chance to be the best team in the league. As Wyatt said, if you're the best player on the best team in the league, you deserve to be MVP. And the Celtics have been the best since the All-Star break, 15-4. and four. The knocks, like I said, the knocks on Tatum were that he wasn't efficient and that they weren't winning. What are you going to say now? I rest my case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I said this an episode or two ago. He's not getting enough love. No, he's not. Thank the, you. Uh, the Celtics are stacked, though, so pl- plus minus. <laughs> okay. It's all dirty. What, what was that? The, the one line was like a plus minus of 30. How much can you actually say he's contributing to that? Right, we can exactly. say a lot. He's first in the league in defensive win shares. We can say a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you can just make up stats. Well, it's not a made-up stat. This is a real <laughs> stat. It's a very real stat. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not something you can objectively measure. You know, like points or rebounds or assists. Come on. I can see those. I can see what a defensive win share is, Jared. That's because you don't know how to watch basketball. I'm sorry. Can you tell me when a defensive win share happens in a game? I I would love to see it. You know when a player turns the ball over because Jason Tatum is guarding them? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like right there. Plus blocks. Basketball is the king of sports as far as making up stats go. Exactly. You know. Yeah. It's about the intangibles. You can't measure. You can't measure the impact of everything. They try. You can't measure the impact of everything. But yeah, he's really the MVP. Been, okay, yeah, go ahead and conclude yeah. the episode. In. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Glad we all agree on that. Um, but thank you for listening. As always, as we mentioned in the intro, we are now lunch pail guys. So rip to You Thought Sport. Do not get rid of all your You Thought Sport merchandise. It'll be worth yeah, a keep lot. Yeah, the, the secondary up. market. <laughs> in 10 years, when we're on ESPN Radio or after Spotify gives us our $200 million contract, after we start, like, hawking pseudo-silence. Pseudo-science. Joe Rogan. But anyway, yeah, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're lunchpail guys, all one word, and then an underscore. No spaces until that underscore. And also listen to our other shows. We got No Days Off, Wyatt's NFL Show, uh, and Pit Stop to fill your F1 fix. And we'll be back next week with our, our usual episode.